0: Welcome, those of you who are joining us right now from an off-site campus on the internet, wherever you happen to be. We recently had one to three inches of snow that crippled our city. And uh, we're just thankful for the mercy of God. Yeah. Okay. Good. Well, it's good to see you guys. Uh, Glad that you're here. And uh, let me me ask you a question. Have, Have you ever struggled with finding the will of God? In an area of your life. Anybody ever struggled with that? Okay, three of us. Good. This will be good. This will be us three right here. Have you ever struggled with hearing God's voice? When do you know when God is saying something to you specifically and when He is not? I heard about a guy who was trying to decide if God was speaking to him to ask a certain girl out on a date. And so he finally decided that God was speaking and there were clear signs because when he was driving home from work, he saw a billboard. And the billboard, the first letter on the billboard was the first letter of her name. And the telephone number, the last two numbers of the telephone number was actually her age. And so he went ahead and asked her out. And boy, was her husband mad. You know, I mean, that was just... Yeah, we're, we we have strange ways of knowing God's will, don't we? Most of us, though, we do have questions when it concerns God's will. Uh, whether it's, you know, who we date, who we marry, where we live, where we work, do we take a promotion, do we not? Uh, even as far as staying in a marriage, um, you know, what is God's will? And some of you today probably have a question in fact i'd I'd like it at at the beginning in order to really make this applicable to think of an area where you really need to hear from god how do you do that well we're going to study a story in acts chapter 13 about a group of uh, a group of guys who really need uh, to hear god and when they did it literally um changed their world And not only their world, but it changed the world of those that they impacted. Crucially, crucially important. So what can we learn from them about hearing God in our own life? I'm going to read the story, and then what we'll do is we'll see if we can make application to our everyday living, okay? It's Acts chapter 13 and verse 1 through 3. It says, Among the prophets and teachers of the church at Antioch of Syria were Barnabas, Simeon, called the Black Man. Lucius, from Cyrene. Manian, the childhood companion of King Herod Antipas. And Saul. Just a diverse, diverse group. Uh, there are two from Africa. There's uh, one or two from Jerusalem. One of the ones from Jerusalem that says we're childhood friends of Herod Antipas. Now, if you were with us in our study last week, we studied a guy named Herod who was really a bad guy. That's not this guy. In fact, that's this guy's uncle. Uh, But what that's saying, the reason they even put it in there, is uh, this is a guy that grew up in royalty. He grew up with money, with political power. And he came to Christ and became a a Christ follower. So it's just telling us that there's a real diverse group here of people who are leaders in the church in Antioch. It says, "One uh, One day as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, In fact, why don't you circle that phrase, the Holy Spirit said, or underline it, because we're going to come back to that. The Holy Spirit said, Dedicate Barnabas and Saul for the special work that I have for them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. So they were fasting and praying. It was incredibly important that they hear from God because they get the next steps in their mission. It was about fixing a broken world. It was about fixing a broken world. People were worshiping empty idols. People's lives were coming apart, imploding from the inside. These guys have the answer. These guys have the power of the Holy Spirit and they're on mission. In fact, they become the first missionaries, the first people there sent out as missionaries to a broken world, and it's crucial that they hear. Now, you and I are on mission from God. We really are. Uh, The world is broken. Would you agree with that? And people are worshiping empty idols. And we have the solution. We have the Word of God. We have the Holy Spirit. We've got the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And he's called us all to be on mission in our own ways, and so it's crucial that we hear the voice of the Lord. It's crucial to our mission. So, how do you hear God's voice? What, what do you do? How do you how do how do you hear it? Let me uh, let me just list about four or five things that I saw in this story. Number one, if you're going to hear God, you've got to create margin so you can worship Him. You've got to create some margin. So you can worship him. God had a, a mission for them. They would have missed it if they hadn't stopped and just taken some time to listen to God. I, they, were, they were worshiping, but I don't think it was just, just a weekend worship service. It's good to be at a weekend worship service, but, but they had set aside some time. They said, we've got to seek God. And because they did, they heard him. And I think that God has an incredible adventure for you of following him it has got a broken world and you're a part of it. There's, there's a piece of the broken world that, that God specifically wants you to impact. But you'll miss it if you don't take time to worship Him and just set aside some margin uh, to hear Him. There's a price that you have to pay if you want to hear God. In fact, that price is uh, uh, elaborated on in Psalm 46.10 where it says, Be still and know that I am God. Be still. Do any of you have a hard time being still? Am I the only one in the room when I decide, okay, I'm going to be still and hear God? I start to itch. Do you? Do you? I mean, it's just like, okay, and, and then you start thinking about all the stuff that you need to do, and then you know your your phone rings or you know an instant message or whatever a text message comes up. I oh, want, man, I need it. Whatever. And just getting still. It's hard, but you know what? Busyness keeps us from hearing, hearing God. It's hard to hear God when you live a busy life. Now, nobody had a busier life than Jesus. Would you agree with that? Everywhere He went, people were tugging on Him and pulling on Him. So what did He do to hear God? Mark 1 and verse 35. He says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up. He left the house and went off to a solitary place he prayed. See, there's something worth getting up early for besides fishing. Jesus got up early because that's the only time he could really get any space and he created margin and he had a quiet time to pray and to hear God. It's hard to be effective on a steady diet of activity. If you're going to be effective, if you're going to hear God, you've got to create some margin. Here's the second thing that you do is set your heart default to yes. Yes. You're going to hear God, you've got to set your heart default to yes. What do I mean by that? Um, There's a guy in the Old Testament named Isaiah who God used in really significant ways. And at the very beginning of God using Isaiah, Isaiah set apart a margin, a a time to worship God. During that time, God spoke to him, and here's what he said. Isaiah 6, 8. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? God's saying to Isaiah, Whom shall I send? He's, the right answer is me. But you know what? If I'm Isaiah, I'm asking a couple of questions. The first question is, Where am I going to go? <laughs> you say, You want to send? Tell me where I'm going to go. And what am I going to do when I'm going to be there, right? You know, you want to know. Give, give me a couple of details, God. Clue me in on a couple of details. And then I'll be able to kind of let you know. I'll check the schedule, let you know. Everything works out all right. But that's not how it works with God. It's not how it worked with Isaiah. Notice what his answer was. Here am I. Send me. He got his marching orders after he said Yes. I see the same thing with Paul and Barnabas. The Holy Spirit said, dedicate Barnabas and Saul for the special work that I have for them. Well, what is that special work? Well, I'll let you know when you say yes. You know, why would God, Why would God reveal His will to you if you may or may not do it based on what it is? I think that you've got to go, God, the answer is yes. Now, what's the question? The answer is yes. Default, yes, God. What is the question? A few weeks ago, when I, I, I got a phone call from uh, somebody that wanted to know if me or somebody on our staff would be open to accepting. Um, uh, it, it was a major challenge. It was a, a leadership thing of teaching, training some leaders in another country. Um, at a time that was very, very inconvenient, to be honest with you, and a place that not a lot of people want to go. And so um, I said, well, let me ask some of the guys on the team, see if anybody wants to go. I, I had something else scheduled. And so I asked, not expecting anybody to say yes, and one of the guys said, yes, I'll go. Yes, I mean, just like this, yes, I'll go. And so I went by to see him just a little bit later, and I said, you know, admirable that you'd be willing to do it. Surprising, to be honest with me. How did you say yes so quickly? And he said, well, you know, during fasting, our fast earlier this year, beginning of the year, I felt like God leading me to do some of this. And I told him that my answer was yes. And I would accept these kind of opportunities. And all I'm doing is waiting for, you know, wh- where do I go? And so I was ready. He was he was on yes. He was sitting on Yes. And so God revealed His will to him. And so I think if we're going to hear God, we've got to create margin to worship Him, just a quiet place and space. And then we've got to say, you know what, God, when you speak, my answer is going to be yes. Third thing you do is listen for the voice of God. Listen for the voice of God. These men clearly heard God. It says, the Holy Spirit said. How did they know? what the Holy Spirit had said. And I wish it was written out. I wish there was like, okay, here's three things they did to know that this was God. Do you ever struggle with if something is God or not? And it says, they knew. Now, I, I don't know. It's not written. It's possible that during a time of prayer that one of the guys, you know, or somebody there in the room said, you know, I just got this hunch that maybe this is what the Holy Spirit wants to do. That happens. It could have been one of them just had a prophetic word. It says they were prophets. Prophets were specially gifted people who could hear God and speak God's word clearly. Um, One of the guys on our leadership team here at Seacoast seems to move in that type of a prophetic gift. It's not anything scary. It seems like over the years when we've kind of been, at times in the life of our church, wondering, you know, what is God's will for the next step? And it's kind of foggy, and we all walk in that a lot. And suddenly one of the guys will go, here's what I believe that God is saying, and we'll kind of outline it, and everybody in the room goes, yeah, why didn't we see that? That's very, very clear. That might be what happened here. We don't know. We're we're not sure. But what we do know is that they, they heard God's voice, and I don't think it was the first time they heard God's voice. And I think that's important to understand, especially in the major decisions of life, that you've heard God's voice in the little things, and so you know what it sounds like. I think about Abraham in the Old Testament. I'm reading through the Old Testament right now in my morning quiet times. And and I come to the passage where Abraham is, God tells him to sacrifice his son. You You know, Isaac is going to sacrifice his son. Every time I read that, I tear up as a father. I think, how could Abraham have done that? How could he have even thought about that? And the only answer I can come to is that he knew that he knew that he knew that God was speaking to him. This is God's voice. I don't think it was the first time that he'd heard God's voice. He knew what God's voice sounded like. Well, how do you learn to recognize the voice of God? Jesus said in John 10 and verse 27, he said this. He said, "My sheep recognize my voice. I know them, and they follow me." Interesting that Jesus would call us sheep. I used to think that was cool, because you know, as a kid, sheep are cool. They're kind of a little fluffy, fuzzy. Did you, your parents ever buy you a sheep? You know, just a, is a a sheep or multiple sheep, uh, a lamb or whatever. You know, a little little fuzzy guy. You know, you just you use them for a pillow, whatever. They're just really cool. Until I began to study sheep and found out that sheep are among the dumbest animals <laughs> created. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to know this stuff. Google smart animals okay? And your top 10 does not include sheep. It, you know, uh, monkeys, number one. Uh, dolphins, number two. Elephants, number three. Did you know that pigs are even in the top 10? Pigs are smarter than sheep. So Jesus would have been doing us a favor if he had have said, my pigs know my voice. <laughs> but he said, sheep. Sheep are dumb Animals And there's a major reason they are is because the herd instinct is stronger than their reasoning and intelligence. I've never seen this, but it's said that if you have a lead sheep who comes to a cliff, if the lead sheep goes over the cliff, the whole herd will. Because their herd instinct is stronger than reasoning and intelligence. If you've got a bunch of hungry sheep and you put some food out and the lead sheep doesn't like it, then all the rest of them will starve because the herd instinct is stronger than reasoning and intelligence. And Jesus compares this to sheep and he says, my sheep know my voice. I'm the shepherd, the great shepherd. That's kind of a a picture of, of the times where you'd have shepherds who would have sheep. And all of the sheep, you know, you might have individual flocks, but they would band together and make a big pen so that each shepherd didn't have to have their own pen, but they'd have several flocks in a pen. And then when the shepherd would give the call, the sheep that were his would come out and follow. And how did they train them? Over time they trained them. First they would take, uh, you know, one of the older sheep and... And he would begin to train that sheep to his voice and finally the older sheep would begin to follow him and then maybe a younger sheep would follow not because they recognized the voice but because the rest of the herd did until ultimately they could hear the voice of the shepherd. Listening to God's voice is a learned discipline like that. That's why it's hard for most of us to hear the Holy Spirit because we haven't learned his voice. And so here's what we hear. We hear all the voices in the herd do this, do this, do this. All the voices in the herd, and we're struggling to hear the shepherd. So we've got to learn to hear the voice of God. Well, how do you do that? I think you practice it. Let me give you two or three little kind of exercises in hearing God's voice. Here's one. Let's suppose that you're you're, you're in your quiet time. You've set some margin, and I would I would encourage you. Just set margin every day, at least once a day, if you can. Set, set some margin where you shut everything off and just, you know, that's, that's where you're going to spend a little bit of time, to, time with God. And oftentimes what we do then is, you know, maybe you're on a Bible reading program or maybe you're going through a prayer list or whatever and you kind of read the Bible and you go with the prayer and you throw one up to God and you leave, but you never really heard God's voice unless He spoke very clearly through the reading or something. So here's what I challenge you to do is read, pray, do whatever your normal stuff is, and then just go, I'm going to be silent for a while. God, is there anything that you want to say to me? And then just listen. And see if God doesn't somehow speak. So there's an impression that comes. Now, it may not happen every day, but I'll guarantee you if you take time to listen and train yourself to listen to God that God will speak. Here's another way. You're in a small group. And in small groups, what creates community in small group, I think, is the prayer time. It's when we share our needs and we pray together. Now here's how oftentimes it goes in small groups. And this is okay. It comes time for a prayer, prayer time. And we take the requests, And then sometimes one person will pray. And, you know, he or she will, you know, God bless, you know, Aunt Margaret, or whatever the need is, and, and they, you know, and, and then when you hear something that you like, you go, mm, you know, just kind of a bunch of people just kind of grunting every once in a while. And it's just kind of how it works. And then at the end, at the end, the person goes, "Amen," and that's the signal to hit the dessert bar. Okay, <laughs> "Amen," dessert bar. Okay, let's go. And so we go. Hit the, it's just how it works. Or else. We have a circle where everybody kind of holds hands and before swine flu. And they, they hold hands. And we go around the circle and everybody prays. You get real nervous because you don't like to pray in public. And you squeeze the hand next to you, meaning it's your turn, and they pray. And then as soon as the last person's done, somebody prays. And, and then you hit the dessert bar. How about this? How about whatever method you use? How about at the end of the prayer you go, you know, let's just, let's just be quiet for a minute. Let's listen to God. It's real uncomfortable to be quiet because you've got to fill it with noise, but do it. Give God margin. And then at the end of maybe a minute or so or two of a little quiet, does anybody have an impression of what God might be saying to us in this prayer time? And practice it. Practice. Because I think that God wants to speak to us, Okay. So just practice hearing the voice of God. Sometimes, you know, sometimes you don't get it right. In a small group, everybody loves you. You know, they'll say, swing and a miss. You know, nice try. I don't think that was God. (laughs) That was the pepperoni that was in the the sandwich that we ate earlier. It wasn't God, okay? But that's okay. You learn to hear God. Practice it. Um, Or during the day, sometime during the day, you just say, stop give yourself a little margin and say god is there anything you want to say to me anything you want me to do and see if god speaks my my gift we all have various gifts and we have mixtures of gifts my uh primary gift is a gift of encouragement i lean into that gift more than anything else you say well you know I, i wish i had the gift of encouragement i have the gift of discouragement no that's a curse that's not a gift okay it's a curse but the gift of encouragement is good on one side. The other end is usually people with the gift of encouragement, especially me in particular, you have very little discernment, okay? You know, very little discernment. You just want to encourage everybody. That's why I'm not a part of the hiring process very much around here uh, because I hire anybody, you know what I mean? They've you know, been in prison 20 years and they're up for another charge. Uh, yeah, let's make them a pastor. I think they'll do better next time. You know what I mean? It's just encouraged. But anyway, that's kind of my gift. And so at times during the day, I'll stop and, get quiet and pray and say, God, is there anybody that you want to use me in? And I'll get a name or whatever and I'll write a note or text something or whatever. And, and you know what? Oftentimes later somebody will say, do you remember? And I don't, but do you remember when you sent me? That That was right in the midst of th- this situation. Could I have known that? No, that was God speaking to me to speak to them so that he could speak to them. God wants to use us in that way to redeem what is broken? So if you want to hear God's voice, create margin, say yes, listen to God, and then, and then for, the fourth thing is you confirm God's direction in community. Confirm God's direction in community. It says it was good to them and the Holy Spirit. They, this was a major decision on major decisions. Listen, if you're hearing God, don't be afraid to confirm it. In fact, I believe that you do need to confirm it in community, because uh, some leadings aren't from God. I had one guy one time made an appointment with me and said that he had a dream from God. Knew it was from God. He said he was supposed to marry a certain girl in the church. And I said, really? There were a couple of problems with that. Number one, she's engaged to somebody else. Number two, you don't even hardly know her. And number three, you're married to somebody else right now. Okay, you're going through a divorce proceedings, but you're still married, you know. And so I told him that this wasn't God. And you know what he said to me? He said to me the phrase that I've seen people for years get off track and ultimately end up in a ditch with. Here's what he said. Well, I have a peace about it. I have a peace about it. Can I tell you this? There are several means of having peace. Some peace is from God. Philippians says that that God can give peace that doesn't make any sense, that passes all understanding. And there are times that God will give you peace. Sometimes peace is... uh, the end result of a bad burrito. You know, you get a vision and work it out and then you get peace and you're okay. But it's not God. Or peace can come from an evil spirit. Did you know that? The enemy of your soul wants to get you so off track that if you put peace at the front of a train, you're in for a wreck because he can, uh, you can have a pseudo-counterfeit peace. Um, 1 John 4 and verse 1 says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. You need to test every leading. You know, here's what I do know about when God speaks. It's always consistent with His Word. He's not going to say something to you that's kind of different from everything else that's in, in God's Word, and the principles in God's Word. And it's it's almost always consistent with who He made you to be, consistent with what you have done. You know, it's like... God put all this effort into forming you, making you, giving you all of these gifts and aspirations, and you say God is leading you somewhere entirely different from that? Probably not. It's consistent with who he made you to be. And, and God's leadings almost always have a redemptive purpose. He is restoring in the world what is broken. Sometimes it isn't about me, it's not about you, it's about the redemptive purpose purpose, and he wants to use you and I. That's the cool thing, is he invites us to come along with him in the whole redemptive purpose. Um, Bill Hybels wrote a book called Too Busy Not to Pray several years ago, and it talks about some of these things. And and, and one of the things I like is he he gives three or four warnings uh, when you think you've heard God. If a leading requires you to make a major life-changing decision in a very short period of time, you need to question it. If a leading requires you to go deeply in debt or place someone else in a position of awkwardness, compromise, or danger, then you ought to question it. If a leading requires you to shatter family relationships or important friendships, then you need to question it. If a leading uh, creates unrest in the spirit of mature Christians or friends or counselors as you share it with them, then you need to question it. So you create margin and space to hear God Default to God, I'm going to follow you. Yes is my answer. Here am I. Uh, Third, you need to learn to hear God's voice. Practice that. And fourth, you need to confirm major leadings in community. And when you've done that, now it's time to take a risk by faith. Take a risk by faith. The scripture we read, it says, The men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. It's time to stop praying and start doing. Now, what you'll find is when you follow God, it may not be a convenient time. It may not be a convenient time. Ecclesiastes 11 and verse 4 says, If you wait for perfect conditions, you will never get anything done. Have do you have a testimony on that? See, the convenient time is not always the right time. And the right time is not always the convenient time. The right time is the time when God says, Now. God says, Go series we're in compelled today compelled to go paul barnabas they're compelled to go because the world is broken and god says you have something i want you to go we're all compelled to go in fact the mark of a great church is not its seating capacity but its sending capacity so where do you go how do you take a risk by faith For some of you, God is leading you to get up and move across the world. Get up and move across the world. For some, it's just like a short-term mission trip. I'm going to go and God's leading me. And I, I believe it is confirmed in community. I need to go. For some, it may mean changing locations, changing zip codes. Confirm it in community, but God may be saying it because there's a broken world that He wants to change through you. For some, it's just simply to get up and volunteer. Get up and volunteer your time, your talent, your treasure. For some of you, it's right here in the local church. I believe everybody should serve in the local church. If you're not serving in the local church, what gives you the right? Why does somebody else serve you and you don't have to? And it's not even a have to. It's a, it's, it's a part of this thing that God has created within us. It's the right thing. And so God may be leading you to get up and go volunteer to serve. Maybe it's a, in a, in a classroom with kids that you can be a model to or, or it could be special needs kids or it might be greeting or helping or whatever, but it's to get up and go. For others, it's to get up and, and be a mentor and serve for somebody that could benefit from your experience or might be to give your time to kids that, that, are, that are in a less fortunate situation than what your kids are. I know We have a mentorship program at the Dream Center in North Charleston I think we mentor about 60 kids right now and it's making a major difference in their life. In fact, one of the schools in the area has noticed it and said, hey, we've got a bunch more kids. Could you take them? Which is a wonderful privilege, but we're out of mentors. And so maybe God is saying to you, hey, I want to be a mentor. I can, I can redeem what is broken in the world. Maybe it's to step up and lead a small group of friends or to lead something you're passionate about. Or maybe it's to step up and run for office because you want to make a difference in the world. For some, it's just to get up and go across the room and say something to somebody at work. And God is saying, the time is now. Are you ready? Are you willing to be used by God? To do anything Anytime, anywhere. Are you really?
1: Back before creation. Before the formation of all that is, there was you, God, yourself, perfect, complete, needing nothing. But did you look out at that empty sky with a lonesome ache for something more? Something yet to be born, unformed? Were you reaching for us? Were you reaching for me? One command, it was all underway. Light and energy, gravity, synchronicity, orbits and galaxies, comets hurtling down galactic highways, a space-time valet, a thousand years but a day, a brand new with the fires of creation, life under construction, cells replication, DNA code, embedded commands of how to grow. Make yourself at home, woman and man. Walk the length of the land, scale the mountains, run the rivers, drink from the springs, let your free will wander down the pathways of this garden. We traded it away in a strange transaction. The forging of the first weapons, the spilling of first blood, the trampling and trashing of paradise, blowing the gift to pieces with a bang! The need for intensive care. So now the rainforests are stripped bare. So now the cities give birth to slums. So now the rifles and suitcase bombs. Why? 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 Why is a promising life ripped away just when it catches stride and runs free? Tanks rattle and pound. Soldiers get cut down, never getting to say goodbye. On the side of the road down in the dust Unable to trust or try With no tears left to cry Why? How did it feel, God? When you walked this cracked shell of a planet Cried like a broken hearted child The perfection of what was supposed to be Up against the brutality of our reality. story says you gave up your life, your flesh, and your blood for love. And as the story goes, you're still reaching. You watch over the grieving. You capture every sigh. You measure the space between every heart winds its way through every weathered page, a feast for the hungry, the delivery of the captives, healing for the desolate, the final satisfaction of justice, making all things new. Hope in the clinics where the sick hold on. Hope in the schools and the holding cells. It echoes in the halls of the hospitals. Hope rises up in the cities and the war zones. Hope in the courtroom and in the broken home. In the seminaries and the cyber highways. In the alleys of the homeless and the hungry in the shack settlements and the compound on the farms where the soil is hard and dry in the streets where the grieving mothers cry where the AIDS and Sarah up at the stars where the captives pound on the sail wall through the coal mine towns and the factories in the ghettos and the prisons and the cemeteries so where is it I don't see it of the promise. I don't see it down here in the middle of the fear. What hope can remain in the depth of this pain? I don't see it. The earth is groaning night and day. A song of human slavery, of dark disease and poverty, of children in captivity. God, that's the sound that comes to me. Are you still far away on high, still staring out at that empty sky, still reaching out with that longing hand? I hear no voice and I don't understand. I know about theology. I know you gave your son for me. I know you're wrapped in mystery. I get invisibility, but I still See their misery. I hear their voices haunting me, saying, who will come and set us free? Who will come and set us free? Who will come and set us free? Here am I. Send me. Here am I. Send
0: Here I am. me. my I said don't be. Jeremiah. Not fake. Jeremiah. What's your son? What's your son? What's your son? What's your
1: son? What's your son?
0: dan dito ako Hier
1: ek Hier am I Hier am I Mir am I Maro ham befirst
0: What about you? Have you said that? Some of us have never said that. We're still running the other way from God. And I want to challenge you in these moments of response just to say to God, here am I. You don't have to chase me any longer. Here am I. Are you saying that? Are you saying that right now? Here am I. Send me. The answer is yes. What's the question? During response time, I just want you to create margin and talk to God. You may do that right there in your seat. You may be comfortable to get up and go to a cross and put a little note on the cross that says, yes, yes, You may go to the candles and light a candle and say, here am I. Whatever. Let's respond to God. Then we're going to receive communion together and celebrate the fact that Jesus said yes. We're going to go to the offering boxes and we're going to give so others can say yes. Then we're going to stand and we're going to celebrate an awesome God who loves us, who created us for a purpose, who is redeeming the world and uses you. So let's respond to him.